welcome back to the Inking Out Loud podcast. Uh, today, I am your host, Drew McCaffrey, and joining me again is our resident Star Wars fan, John. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, of course, John being back means we're doing Star Wars, and uh, this time it's something a little different. Uh, this is our first new canon expanded universe novel. Yes. We are doing Alphabet Squadron by Alexander Freed, and... Uh, Boy, it, it is definitely an interesting one. But before I get into the uh, summary of that, uh, just a reminder, if you want to support the show, to check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash inkingoutloud. Or you can find us on Coffee. that's ko-fi.com slash inkingoutloud. Um, you know, all that support goes right to the kind of the infrastructure of this podcast, allows us to pay our artists and software and, and hosting services and things like that. So that support is greatly appreciated. But to get into it, in Alphabet Squadron, Disney's new expanded universe delves for the first time into the legacy of authors like Michael A. Stackpole and Aaron Alston, detailing the formation and first missions of a ragtag group of pilots and intelligence agents. Erika Quell is a former Imperial ace whose fighter group, Shadow Wing, was part of the genocidal Operation Cinder. After being given orders to essentially destroy a planet, she defects to the New Republic and is recruited by Karen Aiden, an intelligence officer who hopes to end the threat of Shadowing. While they're just getting their feet wet, Chasna Chaddock and Will Lark find their battle group under attack by elements of Shadowing. As the only two survivors of a harrowing chase through the Oridal Nebula, they're recruited by Aiden as well. Alphabet Squadron begins training, but the various personalities cause friction, and only through many ups and downs do they ultimately become a viable fighting force. They do so just in time, as General Hira Sindula and her battle group hatch a plan, along with Aiden and Quell, to attack Shadowing's home base over Pandem 9. During the attack, Y-Wing pilot Nath Tencent finds his revenge, and the information Aiden so dearly wanted. Aiden confronts Erika with the truth of Operation Cinder, and her willing role in it. Shadowing escapes, badly hurt, and Erika must now confront the future with the threat of the truth hanging over her. All right. So to start off here, you know, we usually kick off our episodes looking at writing style. And I definitely want to talk about the writing style of this book and kind of the structure of it. But I also want to talk about its place in the the greater Star Wars canon. Uh, and I use canon as like an all-encompassing term to include legends and new Pre- Previous new works. Yeah. As well as post Disney. Yeah. Yeah. Because this really is a, a kind of the continuation of that legacy of the X-Wing books, but it's a very different kind of story at the same time. Yes. Like the, I, I remember when I first picked up this book, you know, and I saw the premise of, you know, ragtag pilots, you know, coming together to, to form an elite squadron. It, it immediately made me think of Wraith Squadron. You know, where Wedge had to recruit washouts and, and screw-ups and and forge them into a, a competent fighting unit. And and there's a little bit of that, but like the fact that it's only five pilots, it's not a full squadron of twelve the way we've grown used to in in legends. Um and and also the fact that Basically everybody, I guess other than Kairos, but even Kairos, I think gets a, a point of view or two, but like all the pilots get major point of view time. And that's a huge departure from what we were used to with Alston and Stackpole, where typically in Stackpole's books, you get two points of view from the rogues. You get Wedge and Corrin. And then in Alston's books, you get Wedge and like one or two other pilots. And they're, you know, Alston kind of, he does a good job of, developing the side characters but they're they're just that they're side characters here they're all main characters right yeah I, I think with the alphabet squadron trilogy or i should say so with the old rogue and wraith books it's like well in the star wars universe like a fighter squadron is 12 fighters and so we're going to do our story within that framework and that's why we're going to have like you know wedge who's the leader we're going to have his perspective we're going to have the perspective of uh kind of a 
mainline protagonist like Corin or Kel or whomever. Face. Or yeah. Face. Yeah. Um, whereas with the Alphabet Squadron books, like these, it's like they're sort of pitched as character works from the get-go. Yeah. And anything military or Star Wars universe related is more incidental to that. That's a good way to describe it. And like, obviously we're going to get into this more when we get into character like details, but I think this does belong in the, the style conversation as well, because I had a really hard time getting into this book because of this, you know, from the starting line folk, like character focused ensemble cast where we're getting points of view from like six or seven different characters right away. And I don't really know or care about that many characters. And it's a lot harder to get invested in a book when, you know, you, you read one chapter from Erica and then you don't get her again for like 45 pages because you're spending time with Will and Chas and, right. And Karen Aiden and, and, you know, shadow wing and like, and so I thought the, especially the first half of alphabet squadron was very rough. Um, as a reading experience that freed would have been better served focusing on a smaller point of view cast from the start and then expanding as it goes on. But, but it clearly was, you know, a, a deliberate decision to do something different from that old X-wing structure. Yeah. And yours is not the first time I've heard that opinion that the first half of this book is a little bit, not even a slog, but just a bit awkward to get into. You're kind of like, I don't know. You, you pick up this book, you're like Starfighters, you know, squ- Squadron book. Like, oh, this is the this is the new canon version of X-Wing, yep. or this is going to be what those books were, which is Star Wars Top Gun, like fun actiony pulpy simple um and then you you get into alphabet squadron and you're like wait this is this is not yeah this is not what i was expecting for better or worse and and the first half is jarring to those expectations but also just kind of jarring as a star wars book yeah it's and it doesn't help that to be honest some of the characters are extraordinarily unlikable we'll get into that uh yeah um (coughs) chess uh but but yeah just jumping around so much uh both in in character and in place you know the early chapters of alphabet squadron take place on like five or six different systems you know yeah there's a lot of jumping around and uh as a a seasoned expanded universe reader having all of those systems be completely new locations um, also made me kind of struggle to find my footing in it where I'm like, at least give us one location that we know from the movies or something like that. You know, the way, the it's way, all unfamiliar. Um, yeah. Uh, the X-Wing books do where it's like, yeah, they're training on some random moon base, but we know about Coruscant. And that's the goal here, or or we have scenes set on Coruscant, or you know we we talked about Corellia a lot, and like here, all of these, all the planets these people are from are totally new. Uh, all the locations for the book are totally new, and it it really took me some time to get into it and feel comfortable with what the the Disney expanded universe is doing um, yeah. just, it, it goes about storytelling in a completely different way from the, the kind of classic legends books. Uh, and I'm not saying it's necessarily a bad thing, but it is a jarring thing. And it's probably easier to deal with as a new reader than as an, an established star Wars fan, you know, like I, I think this is one of the biggest reasons that, so much of the existing Star Wars fandom dislikes a lot of the Disney canon books. 
because know? they're so different yeah. in it's style. A, yeah, like they're deliberately doing something that will be harder for an existing Star Wars fan to get into than a totally new fan who's like, oh, I just watched those movies. I'm going to go pick up a book now and right. see what's going on there. Right. Um, you know, and, and that's... I'm not sure there's any kind of objective... Uh, Better or worse. Yeah, quality to that. Like, it's it's a decision the powers that be at Disney uh, have made. And, and it's something you just kind of have to grapple with if you're a reader like us. Yeah. With shelves full of expanded <laughs> universe books. <laughs> but, I mean, there, there's also just, I, I guess, a different way of approaching new readers. With the newer Star Wars books, you do have these more standalone series or, or individual novels that don't require any previous knowledge. Uh -huh. Like the entire Alphabet Squadron trilogy, I mean, spoiler alert, I guess, but it doesn't really deal with like major events in the star Wars galaxy. Yeah. Like there's, there's even a, a scene in the second book where you kind of hear about the formation of what will eventually become like the first order. Right. And, and the shadow wing officer is just like, Nope, not going to bother with that. Yeah. Um, like the one thing I can think of is like new canon has its battle of Jakku, right. Yeah. Which is like a year after Endor. Um, and, and yeah, the Alphabet Squadron books do build to that, mm -hmm. but that battle specifically is not like a plot point. Yeah, it's, I guess this is another really big difference between these new books and what the Legends Expanded Universe did. And that was, Legends was the story of Star Wars. Right. And here they're very clearly writing these books as like sort of ancillary um, fill in the gaps kind of stories rather than this is the main story of Star Wars now because Disney's throwing so much money at film right. that they're like, they're no, gonna, those are going to be the main stories. They're going to tell then, their story with yeah. movies and TV. Yeah. Yeah. And then the books just, you know, fill in the cracks. Right. And so here it's like, yeah, the battle of Jakku might like, happen in the book not this one specifically but like it, it could happen in a, in a book but like that the story of that battle is not mm -hmm. the point of the novel yeah like i think of just the cast of characters that you get in so much of the legends books where it's like it's about han and luke and leia and chewie and, yep. and wedge and you know characters heroes from the original trilogy I'd be shocked if we ever find ourselves getting books and books and, and trilogies and series following like Ray or yeah. Finn or Poe. They're like, no, point, we don't want to touch that main story. That's done and over with. Yeah. We're filling in the gaps now. Right. And so, so that's been kind of the big thing with newer Star Wars books and I could reference other ones, but they're not, they're not trying to write the story. Yeah. It's all about some unique thing or, or, or character. Which is yeah. really funny because I almost wish that, or I would prefer like the other way around where we would get TV shows and movies about different things and different people instead of just following the same like 10 people over and over and over again and the same themes are around the Force and Jedi yeah. over and over again and have the books deal with that. Like, like it feels like the, the, um, like the film storytelling has been very boxed in. Um, like I, that's why I was so excited for the Rogue Squadron movie. And then that apparently is just like indefinitely canned. I think it's still in development. There's just been. Well, the, the woman who was in charge of it, like she's gone and she's doing some other project. And the, so there was some update yeah. on that where I don't know, like a writer left. I, I don't know if, if you're interested in star Wars TV, like it's, <laughs> it's a good, it's a good time for that. Like you're going <laughs> to, yeah, it's probably going to be something in there that you like, but that's a different conversation. Yeah. And, and I don't know, you're right. It, it's a different conversation, but so like back to the, the style of this book, um, 
and the structure of this book. So the, the it's here. Can you, can you hand me my book right there? Yeah. Um, I don't remember how many chapters there are exactly, but there aren't a ton of chapters, but what, what it is is that each chapter has like sub chapters. Yes. And pretty much each sub chapter is a different character's point of view. Accurate. And, and so like, you'll, you'll get, you know, chapter six or whatever. And then the first point of view is going to be Erica Quell. And then the second point of view is Nath. And then the third point of view is Chas and then Will. And then, you know, Karen Aiden. And then it usually ends with a, uh, you know, a, a shadow wing point of view. Um, that, Shakara Nures. That style continues yeah. throughout the trilogy. Um, and then, and then there are also parts to the book. Uh, and this is where I was most interested. Uh, like it really took me until the end of part one for me to get invested in it. And it, it was chapter seven that did it. And this is the first chapter that kind of dips away from that structure. There's only one sub chapter in it and it's from the point of view of Devon. And these serve as kind of interludes to the book. Uh, if you're a fan of the Stormlight Archive, kind of the way Brandon Sanderson does post-part interludes. And, and so you get these kind of snapshots of Devin's story and, and you there's a lot of mystery around it. You kind of you, you grow to understand he is a you know an ex-imperial, he's some sort of elite soldier, and then you get to the end of the book and it's revealed he is Devin is Major Soaring Keys. And, you know, he used to be the second in command of Shadow Wing, and he decides, after having a run-in with New Republic Intelligence, it's time for me to go back to the war. I need to rejoin Shadow Wing. And we have our conflict set up for the second book. Um, but it was those Devon chapters where, for an entire chapter, I got to settle into one point of view. And, and on top of that, it was a character that I was fascinated by and and so i really appreciated those like oases in the desert of fractured points of view where finally i just get a a solid dedicated chapter telling one story yeah i think it's that one story thing so that grabbed me too the first the first time i read this book or listen to it um is a more like the, those interludes were a more compelling story than what was going on in the yeah. main book but maybe because it was more self-contained and because there wasn't an, an element of mystery to it um whereas it's versus like the same events from like two to five perspectives on the same thing yeah um it just felt messy like i <clears throat> that is so many points of view to cram into a, you know, what 300, 400 page book. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's 408 pages. Like I probably would have liked some of the characters more if they were side characters. Yeah, definitely. Like if, if I were to have sat down and I'm not going to say I'm a better writer than Alexander Freed or, or that, you know, I'm the ultimate authority on what this book should have been, but just based on my reading experience, what I would have preferred and the way I would have written this book is to have three points of view. You have Erica as a point of view, you have Karen Aiden as a point of view, and then you have uh, Shakara Nures as a point of view. The that, Yeah. And then, been... and then you can toss in the Devon interludes. Yeah. But like having Will, having Nath, having Chas mixed in there, I was very rarely interested in their stories. Will and Chess, especially, I just don't did not care about. Um, Nath at least had a, a compelling mystery to his story, where you're like, you know, what is he actually doing? What is he? Why is he getting extra pay from Karen Aiden? You know, uh, but but Nath is also pretty unlikable. And, yeah, you know, he's he's an abrasive character. And uh, should we just go into character? Yeah, let's <laughs> let's go into character here because he, like Erica, other than Devon, uh, of the main characters, Erica is easily my favorite. 
easily. Okay. She's she has the most compelling struggle. Uh, the mysteries surrounding her were handled pretty darn well. I thought um, like it came as a surprise to me at the end of the book when Karen gets out of the U wing and, and like reveals that he knows the truth. And it wasn't necessarily that like what the truth was, was surprising just the way it was delivered. Freed set it up in a really good way that I like forgot that there was this mystery hanging over because we've just been in the middle of a, crazy battle and then he drops that truth bomb on you and you're like oh that's right you know and so that was a satisfying character arc for her uh in terms of my reading experience and the rest of the pilots i was just not satisfied with at all yeah i think erica is the main protagonist of the trilogy and what Freed uses to convey his themes and like the, the the whole overall arc is about Erica because like I yeah. I just read the uh, Victory's Prize the last one in this trilogy um, and seeing the ground groundwork that was laid in Alphabet Squadron this one um, like I see where it's all going and I'd probably agree with you that Erica is the most compelling character in this whole. Yeah, yeah, and the whole cast. Um, I th- I think the main the, the main things I'm trying not to give, not to give things away. Um, yeah, because I have not read the third book yet. Right. Um, the main things that she's going through, which is like redemption and guilt, and and yeah. these sort of heavy themes, where it's like, hey, how would it actually work? in the Star Wars universe for someone who um, who worked for the Empire, who, who served under that regime and did terrible things. Like, how would it work? How would they face the consequences of their actions? Yeah, because, like, there are a lot of defectors that we see in the old Legends books, but for the most part, they defect, like, straight out of the Academy before they've done anything Or early, really like... yeah. Like or the, early in the war before the real atrocities started happening. Yeah. Um, the old EU doesn't really have any characters like that. Yeah. Like there are a few moments that I recall, and I don't want to get into like details for spoilers and books we're not talking about, but there are a few moments I recall where somebody brings up the idea of like, you know, this guy has shot down Republic pilots and but then it just kind of gets glossed over and and somebody else is like, Oh, well, you know, lots of us fought for the Imperials and now, now we're all on the same side. So let's just work together. Right. Um, The closest we get to, to something like this is maybe faces plot line in the first Wraith book where he has the guilt over propaganda, Imperial propaganda that he, right. But even that's nowhere near what we're dealing with with Erica Quell, where she, willingly took part in the genocide of a planet. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Her. Yeah. That, that theme, the, the defector storyline, that's, that's her whole plot mm-hmm. for all three of these books. And it gets really into that. And it's probably these books greatest strength. Yeah. I definitely agree. Like the fact that the fact that she's being used, not just as an Imperial defector and has to handle the you know new new allegiances and the moralities of flying against you know the the empire uh, that she used to serve, but that she's flying personally against her old squadmates. Right. You know, it, it's not just oh, I'm shooting down faceless imperials in ties. I'm shooting down my old friends. Right. Yeah. There. There is. I'm not saying this is a. I'm not saying this series is better than the Rogue and Wraith books at all, but there is more depth. <laughs> in yeah, ter- in terms of no. character work. Well, so here's here's my issue with that though. It's like if this had been more focused on just Erica and her story, I would agree there's more depth. But she's only like twenty percent of the book. You, you know? will be, yeah. And Erica is. Com- compelling and interesting and then you will be distracted from that exactly 
by other by Chas wanting yes. to be like go out in a blaze of glory while she's listening to her crappy music. Yeah, yeah. So and, you know, yeah. Let's let's talk about our other characters. Yeah. Um, so Chas is awful. Chas. Okay, I'll try to like objectively describe Chas. <laughs> it, it it's. I think she gets some better work in the next book, like, but in, in, in this, yeah, <laughs> listen for next episode, I guess. But yep. Chas kind of comes across as she, I mean, it's a Star Wars book, so take this with a grain of salt, but she's not written like a real person. She's yeah. written like. She's a glory hound. Like I have, I have an archetype. There's a type of character I need to have. Yeah. Chess will be that character, and that and that type of character is my edgy, semi-suicidal. I yeah. I have like the. I want to be a war hero. I want to be a war hero, or almost like. And you're all holding me back. You you know like those like cringy memes people post about like how messed up they are oh yeah 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 that's that's what Chas, that's what chas is yeah she's she's a, a a fedora wearing neck beard who has trained with the blade i'm thinking more like you know that girl in high school with like the i, I don't know <laughs> i'm we're really uh, getting more too, into too, the character of Chas than too, I expected. Too far here. down memory lane. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, okay, let, let's explain like why she's grading, at least to us, in this book. So she's obnoxious to everybody. Yeah, she's she's a jerk to everyone. Like, Will... Unnecessarily. Will is, like, bland mayonnaise. Yes. And she's even obnoxious to him. Yeah. Like it, it's it's impossible to be a functional person around her without her getting upset at you, right? And and there's no real reason that's given for that, right? It She's would be just one thing where it's like, I don't know, the character is past trauma or or something is brought up as like this is why this person is an asshole. Yeah, yeah. like the reason she's a jerk to Will is because he saved her life in battle. Yes, she's like, you took away my choices. It's like. It, yeah, their 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 antagonism towards each other. It, yeah, it. Well, it's it frustrating because does. Will doesn't even. He's not antagonistic toward her. She's just antagonistic toward him. While towards he's everyone. Like, yeah, yeah, he's just trying to live his life and be a good flight mate, and she's like, "I hate you. You didn't let me die in a blaze of glory. I hate you. You took my choices away from me." Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, and that dynamic never really gets Mm-mm. fixed. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then so Will, uh, it's like, the, okay, no, before I get off chess, it's like, she, yeah, she's obnoxious. She's not a kind person. She's she's difficult to be, you know, inside her point of view. But her, like, if you're going to say she has a character arc here, it's that she's, like, supposed to become a team player. Right. You know? But even that isn't really fully satisfied. Like, yes, she eventually abandons her, like, suicidal bombing run on the, you know, on the cruiser carrier. And and that ultimately allows Shadow Wing to escape uh, from Pandem Nye. And she goes to help shoot down the, the gas tankers. But it, it's not like she sees the wisdom in it. She's frustrated and angry about it the whole time. Yeah, and, like, she doesn't change as a character exactly and then will again like he doesn't change as a character like his whole thing is i'm this is my party my going away party and i'm about to retire from the military and go back home and then oh i got yanked back into the war and uh you know and he just wants to go home and that's his thing i'm like okay that's not a very compelling you know character motivation right so he he does change more than Chas, I think, in the second one with what role Free mm-hmm. has him step into. But yeah, in the, in this book, he's I 
I don't know. I just I'm I'm trying to think of a way to kind of justify his existence. Yeah, like we had no need to have his points of view in this book. Yeah, they don't they don't really add anything. He's just he's he's a younger, more naive male who yeah, he want he's like what what are they like his home planet he's some sort of like beast rider type person yeah who volunteered they're to, very in touch with nature yeah um i don't know something from like avatar that's um, exactly what i was thinking yeah of. <laughs> that's yeah so that's what came to mind and yeah he volunteered for the rebellion and he's just kind of like a naive younger male character um like his perspective he doesn't really add any new perspective on erica uh, with no. Chas, he's just kind of like wounded puppy, like yeah. why doesn't she? not in a romantic way, um, but just like a like why doesn't she like me? And it, yeah, he he's not grading like Chas is, but he's just kind of he's slow. He's and just bland he just mayonnaise. Dra- like I he swear, just, he, he just kind of drags the story back yeah. and like yeah, like I get that Freed wanted to tell the story of, um, you know, the Oridal cluster and that chase through there. Yeah. But I, I very much felt that was unnecessary to the story and it, it was just a giant distraction and we did not need points of view from Chas or Will. Yeah. It, it, the, the whole Oridal cluster thing could have been referenced very like quickly. Yeah. It could have been like, Hey, here's these Cause like side the, characters. They came fully from half the book passes before we even get alphabet squadron formed. Yeah. Like before no, Will and, and Chas get to, you know, meet everybody and they start working together. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, we should not have waited that long for this to be formed. Like should well, be like three or four chapters in and they're doing training missions and stuff, you know? Cause like what even happens in the Ordal cluster arc, it's like, there's a Republic ship that's getting chased by shadow wing so it shows you it conveys like shadow wing is ruthless and efficient you get some of that right and all these pilots that you never see again are getting picked off one by one Mm -hmm. so i guess it creates like a a trauma you know for like like, i feel like i feel like you could have done that a lot more effectively later in the book where you actually care about the pilots who are being harried not Right. right at the beginning when you don't know them and don't like them or care about them yeah yeah, it could have just been referenced as like, here's these pilots from a previous unit, bad things happened to them, so like that's something we you know, they carry with them. But no, that's about half the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. legitimately. Yeah. It's like part two uh is on part two begins on page one hundred sixty-four. Yeah. So nearly half the book. So basically Erica, good, compelling. However, we have to spend time with these Yeah these other characters that so what do you uh, think of nath 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 is interesting um i guess in in the broader perspective of this story he's a little bit more interesting even in this first book in alphabet squadron specifically where he has kind of a he has kind of a seedier past and he's more of like Mm -hmm. an opportunistic rebel yeah where it's like and 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 i like that i like having characters that fought for the rebellion or or new republic or whatever that aren't just the good guys you know i i like having someone with a seat of your past that's more self-interested there's a little yeah a little bit of that like mercenary type like han solo in the first star wars movie where he's like not like i'll help you guys out but i better get paid well and that's kind of how nath is he's like he's profit motivated but he's also like revenge motivated so like I, I like a, a quote unquote good guy who has darker motivations. Like that's good. Yep. I like that. Yeah. Like I, I didn't need as many points of view from him as I got, no. but I, I didn't hate his points of view. No, not at all. Like it, it wasn't like I turned the page and I see his name there and I'm like, Oh no, not again. The right. way I was with Chas or Will. Right. Um, reading his story did not halt the momentum of the book the way other characters good, did for me. Good way of putting it. Um, like, like you said, you know, he has an interesting backstory. He has interesting motivations and, and like with Erica, there's a mystery going on with him. Right. You know, like why is he doing extra stuff for Aiden? Like we, we saw him say no at the beginning. He's like, no, I, I 
am not interested in joining you guys. And then he changes his mind. You're like, why did he change his mind? Right. And and we don't find that out until later in the book. And, and so that was a satisfying mystery developed and then ultimately um, resolved. Yeah. Yeah. So even, now- if, even if it was a little farcical, the circumstances in which he like, ejects from his y-wing and boards a space station and yeah um <laughs> but but hey it's star wars right yeah, exactly yeah. um and then karen aiden um i thought was interesting yeah he's again like he's a good guy but he's entirely self-interested yeah he's a quote-unquote good guy but he's not a good guy exactly like his whole thing is like Yes, I, I think I see a bigger problem in the war than everybody else does, and I'm out to prove it. And when I prove it, everybody will see that I was right. Like, that's his motivation. He's like, I want people to see that I was right. Not, I want to help the Republic win the war. Right. And <laughs> I, I think that's more interesting. Someone yeah. who's, you know, selfish and small um, yeah. versus like the, you know, grander hero type mm-hmm. character yeah he's more um, of like a borsk failure kind of yeah yeah, yeah. he's like yeah i'm gonna help you guys out but i i am definitely gonna profit from like, it i'm gonna get mine way. yeah <laughs> and his his perspective his point of view on erica like from the outside um helps her character as well definitely he's the most he's the most interesting character to play off if we're thinking of erica as our main protagonist which she should be um yeah his perspective on her aids her own character development mm-hmm. yeah oh yeah um and then let's see who else do we uh so we get points of view from colonel nurse what yeah. did you think of her she, you know she's a bad guy I so i was totally uninterested in her yeah um i i think it was generally a pretty smart idea to give us a point of view from shadow wing mm-hmm. um, that helps, you know, build up the tension throughout the book as we see the way they're fortifying Pandem Nye and, and we see the way they operate. But for herself, when I compare her to the, the token bad guy points of view in the X-Wing books, I don't think she's as interesting as any of them. No, she's not, not as interesting not as Derrico, Lure. not Lure, not Isard, um, not Zinge. You yeah. Know. And so, it was like, yes, I appreciated getting that like storytelling perspective, but I didn't care about her as a character. Yes. I like, I didn't care about taking her down the way I was like rooting for the rogues to take down lure or something like that. Yeah. Like, right. Cause lore is, I, I don't have to go into an exploration of lore, but like yeah. he's a bastard, but he's interesting. So it's like, exactly. you want to like read what his thought And that's why is. like I, I texted you right after I finished Alphabet Squadron. And I was like, I'm so glad that Soren Keys is back because I'm way more invested in him as a bad guy than I ever was with Colonel Nurus. And the next two books do a pretty good yeah, job. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. Yeah. We'll get into that more in the, the Shadowfall episode, yeah. but, uh, yeah, so with this, it was like she her points of view just felt very utilitarian. Like we yeah. need to do this to help the story move and to to build the tension for our climactic sequence, but not because like I wasn't eagerly reading her points of view to the, find out more about the the ruthless colonel of Shadowwing. Right. You know. The most interesting thing about her is like it it mentions how well she's old. And it's like, well, she's been an officer since the in the wars. navy since the clone wars and like that's kind of an interesting thing it's like as just because of the perspective of the movies we think of the republic as like that's the good guys because that's the jedi mm-hmm. um and you can i could go off on a huge tangent about like prequel era morality and yeah, and, yeah. And, and whatnot <laughs> but but it's interesting to like think about someone who's had the perspective of being like well the republic was the lawful government of its time and as the viewer, you're supposed to think of them as the good guys, like in the Clone Wars TV show in episode two mm-hmm. and three, right? Um, but then, like, she was there for the transition to the Empire and got to experience, like, that, you know, political um, fall to the dark side and 
somehow decided like, no, this is fine. Like I, I, I like, right. Like um, she bought into the propaganda. Yeah. And... There's an interesting story to be to- told here or with that, that idea, I think. And, and she is, she is not used as a vehicle for that. Yeah, exactly. I, I think you might find that story explored and you might find that story explored in some of the newer star Wars TV shows that deal with that era. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not dealt with, with, uh, Mm-hmm. What's her name? Grandmother. Yeah, yeah, not at all. Just glossed over. Um, do you have any other characters you want to talk about? Uh, not in this book. Not yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't really either. Like, other than to say that, yeah, Devin was awesome. I, I the don't want chapters were great. I, I want to talk about the Devin chapters in the context of Shadowfall. Shadowfall. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll save we'll save Soren Keys yeah. uh, more for the next the next Alphabet Squadron episode. Um. Yeah, like just any any kind of final final thoughts, miscellaneous thoughts on the book. Um, it, th- this one left me feeling very mixed. I yeah. yeah, just kind of a I wasn't like abandon all hope. Let me return my Audible credit for this month. Yeah, <laughs> um, and I still wanted to read the next one. But I also only wanted to read the next one because other people told me it was good. Interesting. I will say after reading this, I was kind of like, all right. So like the, the, if this is the, the new, if this is the new Canon X-Wing series, like, eh, all right. Like if I had to give this book a letter grade and I know like, this isn't really like how you, how you do your podcast, but no, just for this, just for the sake of discussion, like I probably would have given Alphabet Squadron a C plus. I I probably would have given it a C or okay. a C minus. Yeah. Um. But you, like you said, it, it very much left me with mixed feelings. Um. I. I did want to read on. After finishing this book, independent of things I had heard about the others, but that was almost entirely because of the final Devon chapter. That's fair. Cause I, okay. I remember having that thought of yeah. like, I want to see what happens with this character. Yeah. Um, I did. I, I had interest in seeing what happened to Erica. It's not like I was just like, okay, I'm done. It was just like, I wasn't excited. It's like, all right, I'll download the next one. See, mm-hmm. see where it goes. Um, yeah. I just left, it left me feeling a bit flat. Um, and I, (laughs) there, there were, like we talked about some characters where I just straight up was not looking forward to spending more time with them. (laughs) Um, so you said you did it on, uh, audio. Yes. Um, so I, I don't do any Star Wars books. I mean, I don't do books on audio in general. Um, That's all I do. Uh, yeah. So as I understand it, a lot of the old uh, Star Wars books, they had like full sound effects and things. Is that still a thing? That's still a thing. That's okay. that's the fun part. Um, all the all the Star Wars books. Um, I, I will say, like the older EU books, um, suffered from having like abridgments. Yes. Um, which yes. now they're actually going back and doing at least the bigger, more successful ones. They're going back and doing some of those books, like Rogue Squadron. Which is yeah, the Essential in, Legends collection. Yeah, in full length audiobook. So that's awesome. Um, the new ones have these, like, yeah, you get you get music, and not just Star Wars soundtrack music. Like, I'm not sure where the music comes from, but just like there'll just be background music. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not John Williams, um, and they'll have like your ship sounds and your explosions, and laser cannons, and it's 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 fun. It helps you get into it more. Um, it's a lot better than just, you know, dry wrote, uh, like reading a battle. Um, yeah. So, so they're, nice. they're a lot of fun. They're very high quality. Um, each of the alphabet squadron books has a different narrator. Yeah. So that's fascinating. Yeah. Um, all female narrators, not that different from each other, but also I listen to all these with a pretty big stretch in between each of them, uh-huh. like six months to a year. Um, and so I also don't remember exactly yeah. what they all sound like. They all kind of blend together. Mm-hmm. Um, de- decent, decent narration. I think Alphabet Squadron's probably the best. The best, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I'm 
I'm interested in how um, they've made kind of this story uh, into multimedia because in my hardcover, I got like some Barnes and Noble special edition of this that, uh, you know, it's got a special banner on the cover saying a Marvel and Del Rey crossover event. And halfway through the book, there is a, an excerpt from the Shadowing comics. Right. And, you know, high quality art, like, looks pretty cool. Um, I think you can buy that one as a standalone. It's it's called TIE Fighter. Yeah, so. it's, it's TIE Fighter issue number one uh, that this this is from. And, uh, yeah, and, like, the, the book I got also had, like, a, um, uh, like, rip-out um, oh, bookmarks. Yes. Uh, it was, like, a full page of... Of bookmarks that you can tear out of the the binding and yes like they they it's a, a very high quality book in general like uh the way it's constructed i really like the artwork um the cover artwork and mm-hmm. the insert artwork uh good use of like silhouettes uh just you know the starfighter silhouettes it's attractive yep it's a again a very different style than the old x-wing covers um yeah those are very uh those are very 90s yeah where, where you've got like detailed paintings of tie fighters and x-wings right. in space combat like a battle scene this is more yeah. artistic mm-hmm. or, i say artistic and like a yeah yeah i know uh, what you mean like yeah. um like a postmodern artistic right right, right right yeah yeah stylistic uh, stylistic yeah, yeah there you go yeah um yeah it's like i don't i don't really have too much more that i, I think i want to say about this book uh, it was just yeah, like, I, like I'm glad I read it. Uh, this was the first Disney canon expanded universe novel that I've read. Okay. Uh, and I have heard that this is generally among the higher quality. I'd say the whole series is among the higher quality taken as a whole. Yeah. I don't think this is anywhere near as good as lost stars. Okay. Yeah. I've, I've heard a lot of good things about lost stars. Yeah. Um, I lost stars. Isn't the greatest book in the world. It's just, relative to its other new canon books it's it stands yeah because like like i i read a little bit of aftermath way back when that came out and i was like yeah i do not like this that one gets dunked on a lot yeah. I'll, I'll leave that alone and i and, <laughs> and because of that experience i did not touch new canon yeah. novels for a long time until you know we were talking about what we wanted to do for the podcast here and, and you brought up that you had I think at the time you had just read the first two and you were about to start the third. Yes. Um, there is there is something to be said with where New Canon takes its story of the Star Wars universe that influences the Alphabet Squadron books and how I feel about them, but I'm going to save that for next episode. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, like there are more things I could say that transcend the pages of this book and get really into, like, um, the modern business of Disney and and political things, and I, I'm not going to go there. Um, generally speaking, I try to ignore. Uh, We're trying to evaluate yeah, it objectively. The extra story context of of IP like Star yeah. Wars or right. you know things like that. Um, but I'll, I'll just say that there were definitely points reading through these books that I found myself rolling my eyes. So, yeah, uh, but yeah, yeah. So, uh, I think that wraps up our discussion of the book itself, but of course we have to do the final draft. Of course. Um, uh, as, as I am still enjoying my sober streak, I'm actually drinking a, uh, a classic Martinelli's sparkling cider with a splash of watermelon juice in it. Basically a non-alcoholic mimosa and it's very tasty. Uh, but John has a... Yes. A uh, thematically appropriate beer to talk about. And our thematically appropriate beer is from Anchorage, which I gather is a regular. Yeah, they have good names on yeah. their beers. <laughs> they have great names. I mean, they're a high quality brewery for sure. Kind of yes. a little bit more difficult to obtain in Colorado. but uh, It got a lot harder now that Tavor no longer delivers to Colorado. Oh, 
I uh, I've found them at the store. It's just usually not a broad range of their stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's usually like one or two. And it's also usually wildly marked up. Yeah. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. To it's the like, point where I'm just like, nope, not buying that. It's like, oh, double barrel Wendigo on the shelf. Ah, hundred dollars for a twelve ounce bottle. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I saw that exact thing, and I said <laughs> no. But this beer, I I have seen this one at the store. Mm. Um, it is a. We described the beer before naming it, right? Yeah. Yes. This, this yeah. is a, it says a mixed culture ale. Um, it's a Saison. It, it's a dry, you know, Belgian farmhouse um, with, with Brett, you know, your, your yogurty bacteria that makes it sour and dry. Um, says funky. dry hopped with galaxy strata and phantasm powders, so hot powders. Yeah. Trying to isolate those flavors. Uh, finished on passion fruit, so a little little bit of sweetness. Yeah, um, and it is called Interstellar Void. Delightful, which you can probably apply to a lot of Star Wars books, but we do deal specifically with our Oridol Nebula in this book for about half yeah. of the story, <laughs> and I definitely felt like I was in an Interstellar Void. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to get through some of those <laughs> chapters, but anyways, it's a nice it's a nice dry beer. Yeah, and, it, and it's a uh, very tasty. Yeah, I, I, not a usual style for me, but uh, yeah, definitely a high quality product. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so that brings us to the end of our episode. This has been, I think, this is going to be episode one hundred seventy-two of the Inking Out Loud podcast. Uh, it might be anywhere from one seventy-two to one seventy-four, depending on. Um, uh, just timing. Uh, either way, we'll we'll see how it plays out. We've got several episodes that we're recording in a short span, and and we're not sure in which order they'll be re- released. But uh, and because of that, I can't say for sure what next up is going to be. Next up, maybe Shadow of the Torturer uh, chapters one through three. Maybe Shadow of the Torturer chapters four through eight. Maybe a surprise bonus episode that will be coming out. Um, sometime toward the end of june uh i don't know you'll you, you guys will just have to wait and see so there's there's your your mystery <laughs> since we had to deal with the mysteries of erica and nath in this book <laughs> you get a mystery to take with you this week with the king out loud podcast uh yeah but as always i have been your host drew mccaffrey and with me is my special guest john thank you for having me thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time